This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Man, welcome to church. And if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Kevin. I'm the lead pastor. I'm going to guide us through our journey together for the rest of the morning. And I just want to say, I'm really excited you're here. I, I truly believe that, that Sunday could and, and maybe should be the most fun day of the week, and that church should be the kickoff to one of the best days of the week. Not because, not because life is all rainbows and unicorns and everything's always going great, but, but because we believe that, that there's a God who we just sang about who loves us so deeply and powerfully and completely that he, he can take and transform even the hardest situations in life and he can make them into something beautiful and something good. That, that we just believe that God is so creative and so talented and, and, and so, so passionately for you that God can do something great out of almost any circumstance. So I like to call today Sunday Fun Day. That's what I like to call it because I think it should be fun. Which means, by the way, if you're new, this is what it means. It means that you should be saying things like, ha ha, or I'm glad I'm here, or hey Kevin, or that's right, or clapping, or getting excited sometimes, maybe not right now. That's okay, I'll take it. But sometime, because church should be an adventure with God, an adventure with God. And if you're new, I just want to set your expectations right. You might not believe this yet, but I'm, I'm trusting you will, hopefully by the end of the day or at some point on this journey with us, that God is for you and that God loves you, and that God is excited to meet with you today. And I just want to get us ready to meet with God as we continue our time together this morning. And one of the things you can do to kind of get us all on the same page so that there's no us and them, there's no in and out, one of the things we do to get us all on the same page together is in the inside of our programs, we always grab each week this Start Here card. So go ahead and grab that. It's our connection card. And just put your name on it and your email address on it. And if you're new, you don't have to do anything with it right now. But if I've earned your trust over the next 35 or 40 minutes, then I'm going to ask us later when some baskets are passed just to drop this card in the basket. And here's all this is. This is just a way for us to help you connect in any way you would want to. Maybe you want to connect with us at the church. Maybe you want to connect with the things we're doing in the city and in the community. Ultimately, our hope is that at some point on this journey, you're going to want to take a step of faith and connect deeper with God. And boy, our, our real desire as a church is that we would be the community that would get to partner with you in taking that next step. And so we just ask you to have this and get it ready. The other thing you're going to want are some teaching notes. They're inside the program as well. We're going through a story in the Old Testament of the Bible today that is just a really, really great story. And it's got all the Bible verses on there. It's got some fill in the blanks. And then on the back, there's going to be a part a little bit later this morning where I'm going to ask you to get really specific about something that God might be inviting you to take a next step in as over the course of this week. And so I gave some space on the back for you to write that in. So go ahead and get your teaching notes ready as well. Well, we're, we're rounding the corner right now in our series that we're calling Greater Than. And you can catch the entire series if you go to the website, newlifepetaluma.org, and just click on the media tab. All the messages are there for you to listen to. But let me give you a snapshot just so we're all on the same page. We believe at our core that God is greater than we can actually comprehend. We believe that God is more loving than we can fully realize. We believe that God is more powerful and that God is more creative than, than our minds can really grasp. And we believe that God is like this perfect, loving, powerful, always present, kind of like a heavenly father. 
And like any good father, God wants greater things for us than we could ever dream or imagine. And so what we're doing is we're taking an adventure over uh, the course of about six weeks to engage with God in prayer, because prayer is a key way to partner, partner with God to do the things that God wants to do in our lives. And so basically what we're doing is we're taking this prayer adventure as we head towards Easter. And when we talk about prayer, there's, there's lots of different methods to pray. But there's one main goal when it comes to prayer. And the main goal is this, and I've been saying this because I don't want us to miss it. The main goal is this, that, that we would engage with God, that we would just simply fully engage with God to a deeper level than we ever have. And one way that we're choosing to engage with God in prayer is as a community, about 500 of us decided we were going to take a fasting adventure where we chose to abstain from something for 40 days for the sake of praying to God for something that we wanted even more. And so up on these walls behind me, there are 500 different uh, commitment cards of people who, who said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast, I'm going to abstain from something. For me, it was social media. So I'm off Facebook for 40 days. And I'm so glad I said that last week because after I said it last week, two different people came up to me and they said, Kevin, I was so mad at you for not responding to my personal message on Facebook, but now I know you're off. So you're off the hook. It was like, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. But I'm fasting from social media. For some of you, it's, it's sweets. Or for some people, it's like listening to the radio in the car or television. Uh, and, and the goal is when we would normally do that thing, instead of doing that thing, we're engaging with God in prayer around two things. One, we said something personal. Maybe it's for you or your family or a close friend. And then one is for a dream that our church has. And our church dreams for 2015 are up on these walls on either side of me. You can see them on the posters. And what I want to do over the course of this time is just kind of walk us on this journey to ask, what would it look like to actually engage with God through prayer? So transitionally speaking, uh, which is what I say when I don't have a good transition. I say transitionally speaking. Transitionally speaking, wasn't yesterday—that's that's good. Wasn't yesterday—come on, you can laugh at that. That was funny. Transitionally speaking, because that's not a transition. That's just odd. Wasn't yesterday a glorious day? It was a glorious—how how many of you have kids in sports right now? Go raise your hands. Okay, suckers. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, love, I love sports. My oldest is six, and she wants to play soccer next year. So I'm sure we'll be doing rec sports next year. But I got to tell you, on days like yesterday, it was one of the greatest days because we headed out to the beach because we didn't have any sports or anything to do, and it was like it was our beach. It was gorgeous. And we got out to the beach, and my four-year-old Landon, he said to me when we were at home, he said, Dad, I want to go surfing USA. He had heard the song, I want to go surf in USA. And so I took this cheap boogie board we had, and I said, all right, but we'll take the boogie board. And we got down there, and it was like 67 degrees when we got there, and the water was 53 degrees. It was freezing. And I'm like, buddy, it's a little cold. Maybe we should build a sandcastle. He's like, no, no, I want to go surf in USA. So I'm like, all right, dude. So I got him on the boogie board. I lifted him up, and we're at Doran Beach. And it's just those little tiny waves. So I walked him out over the waves till I was about stomach deep in freezing water. And as my body went from, from cold to achy to numb, uh, I said, buddy, are you getting cold? He's like, no, this is great, because he's on a boogie board, and I'm freezing. But here's what we did. We got out past the breakers, those little tiny waves at Doran, and he said, just pull me, Dad. So I'm pulling him on the boogie board, and he said, sing the song, sing the song. So you can picture, I'm out there on a boogie board. Everybody's going surfing, surfing. you, And people are just staring at us like we're crazy. Surfing USA. So we're pulling back and forth for like 15 minutes, and I am freezing. Finally, I said to him, 
I said, son, do you really want to go surf in USA? He's like, yeah, dad, I want to surf in USA. I said, okay, well, this, what we're doing right now, this is not surfing USA. In order to be surfing USA, you got to like catch one of these waves and his whole little tiny four-year-old shivering body just tensed up like this. And I said, so what we're going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to push you into the wave and then you're going to keep your legs spread out as far as you can, you know, and he's, he's only four and he, he can't exactly swim yet. So this was kind of a risk for him um, and kind of a risk for me because my wife was on the beach, not concerned about him. I wasn't, I was concerned about her if I let him fall in, but I said, you got to keep your legs out so that you don't flop over. He's like, no, 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 I can't, I can't. I said, bud, if you really want to go surf in USA, then this is not it. You got to let daddy push you into the wave and you got to step out. And he was super scared. So we're negotiating and I'm trying to find that fine line as a father uh, where you just encourage your child as opposed to send them into counseling. Dads, you know this fine line? You know, it's like, take the training wheels off now. I don't want to. It's that one of those fine lines, you know? So we're negotiating and I'm trying to walk that line. And finally he says he's going to do it. And so we get ready on the wave and I'm holding the board and the wave comes and wouldn't you know it, it's like the biggest wave of the day. It's like a sleeper. I'm like, well, good luck. So I throw him into the wave and he heads down and he makes it. And he literally, he made it all the way in to like an inch of water on the sand. It was great. Yeah, you can clap. It was so fun. Didn't crash, nothing. He jumps up and he goes, dad. I want to do it again. And I said, no way, buddy. It is too cold. We're going to go make a sandcastle. So we got out. But it was so fun. But, but Landon, he had this, this dream that he wanted to go surf in USA. The problem was in order for him to achieve that dream, he had to take a, a risk. He had to take a, a step of faith. Now, he knew his dad was there. He knew dad was going to help him and push him into the wave and make sure he was okay. And I knew as his, as his dad, if he actually fell over, it was only three feet of water, I could just pick him right up and he'd be fine. But for him and his little mind, it was, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. And, and prayer is a lot like that. See, prayer, we, we engage with God and we ask God, God, would you do a miracle? Would you do some great thing in my life? Because we all love the idea of miracles, don't we? We love the idea of praying to God and asking God to do a miracle in our marriage and having God do that. We love the idea of praying and asking God to, to do a miracle in our work or in our business. We love the idea of asking God to do a miracle in our finances, helping us to become debt-free and more generous and use our resources more wisely. Shoot, we love asking God to do miracles for our church and miracles in our family and in our friendships. But few of us are comfortable putting ourselves in situations where we actually partner with God to do the miracle. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because I'm realizing more and more, and this is your first note, as we pray, God often nudges us to take an action step, to partner with him, to achieve the miracle and fulfill the dream that he's placed in our hearts. But here's the thing about that. When God nudges us to take an action step, here's why most of us we really don't love this idea, and this is deep, so get ready. You're going to want to write this down. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's one thing to pray and ask God to do a miracle. It's another thing when God says, okay, I'm going to do my part, but I want you to do your part. I want you to take a step of faith, take a step of action, and actually see it happen. It's one thing for Landon to say, I want to go surf in USA as I walk him back and forth in four feet of still water. It's another thing for him to actually feel the exhilaration of being pushed into a wave with all the risk associated with it. 
But if you look at the Bible from the book of Genesis in the beginning all the way to the book of Revelation in the end, you're going to see a pattern. And here's the pattern you're going to see. God calls people, everyday people like you and I, and he puts a dream in their heart. And then they pray to God that God would do a miracle based on that dream. And God comes through on his part. But then almost always in these stories, God asks the people to do their part in seeing the miracle come to reality. And that that part that he always asks them to do, it almost always involves risk. And it always makes them uncomfortable. Sometimes it's the risk of getting rejected. They ask God to do something, God moves, he says, go out and talk to people, and they get rejected. Sometimes it's the risk of their reputation. Sometimes when God says, I'll do a miracle, but I want you to take a step of faith, sometimes they risk financial security. Sometimes, by the way, in the stories that we see in the Bible and even the stories we're seeing around the world right now, people have to risk their physical safety in order to be part of the miracle that God wants to do. But it seems like when we pray, God almost always gives us an action step that God has a part and we have a part. And what I want to do today is I want to talk about a group of people in the Old Testament of the Bible. And I could have picked literally hundreds of stories to share from today. But I want to talk about one group of people that we talked about just a few weeks ago. It's the nation of Israel. Remember we talked about the quail a few weeks ago? We, we did that a few weeks ago, how God did that miracle in their community and, and provided over a million quail for them. It's that same group of people. And I want to talk about a miracle God's about to do. And it's a 400-year-old miracle. And God says, I'm going to do something unique in the history of your nation that I've never done before. But, he says, I want you to take a step of faith, and I want you to take a risk. So here's, here's the backstory. These Israelites, these people, had been in slavery for 400 years. Hundreds of years before that, God had said to one man named Abraham, I'm going to turn your family into a great nation. I'm going to do a miracle. And over the course of those hundreds of years, God had done it. This one family turned into over two million people, the Israelites. Well, they got so big and they were living in Egypt that the Egyptians said were threatened by these people and they enslaved them. And they were in slavery for 400 years. Then God did another miracle. He got them out of slavery. That's where we saw the quail in the wilderness thing a few weeks ago. And here's what God said to them. I'm going to give you at some day, I'm going to give you a land that'll be your land to inherit. You two, you two million people, I'm going to give you a place to call your very own. Well, they wander around in the wilderness, and we'll talk about why in just a minute, for 40 years. And a guy named Moses, who was their leader, he dies. And his protege, a guy named Joshua, takes over leadership of the nation of Israel. And that's the time that God says, okay, now it's time for me to make good on this 400-year-old promise. And we're going to pick up the story in Joshua chapter 1. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, he was, he was Moses' aide, and this is what he said to him in verse 2. Moses, your servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give them, the land I want to give to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, just as I promised Moses, I would. He's about to do something unprecedented. He's about to give this nation an identity, a land, security, a home. Up to this point, they were this wandering group of two million people wandering around in the desert, in the wilderness. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my part. I'm going to make good on my promise. I'm going to give you the land that I promised to you. 
He says, and here's your part, Joshua. Tell the people that they're going to cross over the Jordan River. And you got to understand the Jordan River, we're going to find out later, is at flood stage at this point in the story, which means it's over a mile wide. And on one side of the Jordan River is this nation of Israel, and a mile on the other side of the river is the land that God promised to them. And he says, tell the people to get ready. They're going to cross over to the other side, which raises the question, how do we get two million people from one side of a mile-wide river to the other side of a mile-wide river when it's at flood stage? And if we skip up to chapter 3, verse 7, we find the answer. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you, just like I was with Moses. Now tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant had in it, among other things, the Ten Commandments that God had given to Moses. It was like the most holy piece of furniture that the Israelites had, this big, huge Ark that they carried everywhere. It's in verse 8. And when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. Verse 13. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord... He says, remember, I'm the Lord of all the earth. As soon as the priests who carry my ark set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand in a huge heap. Now, can you picture the scene between Joshua and God? I just picture Joshua saying, uh, I'm sorry, come again? Can, can we rewind that conversation a little bit? I was with you in the giving us the land. I was with you in the crossing over the Jordan. You want us to do what now? You want us to go and stand in a river at flood stage, and then you're going to somehow miraculously part the waters? I don't know, but I like to imagine what Joshua might have been thinking. Like, could we just renegotiate that deal a little bit? What if, what if, God, what if you just part the water, okay? And then, now get this, and then, and then we'll just walk across. We're going to wait till it dries a little bit because you don't want to get mud in your leather sandals. That is super gross. But once it dries out, then we'll just walk across. That's a miracle. Okay, that'll grow our faith. That'll be good for us. But God says, no, here's what I want you to do. Tell the priests to go and stand in the water at flood stage with the most holy thing that you carry with you. And they're thinking, but what if, it, what if it gets washed away? Or what if we get washed away? He says, no, I want you to go do it. Now, here's the thing that we need to understand God had already made this promise to the people 40 years earlier. After he freed them from slavery in Egypt, he sent them to the edge of the promised land and he said to them, I'm going to give you that land. Go and scout it out. And some of the guys went in there and they scouted it out and they came back and they said, we can never take that land because the people who live there have fortified cities and they're like giants compared to us. And God said, just go take the land. I'll be with you. And the people said, no, we can't do it. And they forfeited the promise of God because they wouldn't take a step of faith because they were afraid. Because partnering with God in prayer always involves some level of risk. And so God had them wander around for 40 more years until they could increase their faith because they blew it the first time. But here's what they realized, and this is our, our second note. Prayer is always a partnership where God does his part and then God invites us to do our part. It's always a partnership. We can't, we can't sit behind God and say, God, God, I want you to do all the work, but I'm going to sit here. You know, you can't be, just so you know, you can't be like a, a, an 18, 20, 22-year-old guy saying, God, 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 bring me a wife, bring me a wife, and then never ask a girl on a date. Okay, that's not going to work. Okay, 
But at the same time, you don't want to be out there at the bars asking every girl you see on a date. That's not going to work either. That's not really partnering with God. That's just kind of doing your own thing, being kind of, well, sleazy, if you want to be totally honest. So we can't just sit back and do nothing, but we also don't want to throw up a Hail Mary prayer and then go and do it on our own. Prayer is always a partnership where we trust God to do his part and we do our part. So let's see what the Israelites choose to do at this point in the story in verse 15. It said, Now the Jordan River was at flood stage because it was the harvest time. Yet as soon as the priests carried the ark, reached the Jordan, and, and their feet just touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap at a great distance away in a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, which is in the modern-day Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite the Jericho. Verse 17, the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood in the middle of the Jordan River on dry ground, while two million Israelites came past them on dry ground. Can you imagine being those priests taking that first step into the water? Can you imagine the fear that you would have? What if I get swept away? What if we lose the ark? Not only that, they've got two million people watching them. Could you imagine the performance anxiety? Like, this is terrifying. And yet they carry in this ark. They, they tremble and they step right in. And the minute they step in, the water's part. And God does a miracle. Now, can you imagine their exhilaration? Can you imagine how, how much it must have grown their faith to be standing on dry ground in the middle of what used to be a mile-wide river? And up in the distance, you see a huge wall of water being held back by God. And down as far as you can see, the water's just gone. And two million people are crossing over on dry land. Can you imagine how powerful that must have been for them? How much that must have grown their faith as they partnered with God to do that miracle? My guess is that, that you can imagine it because my guess is that a lot of us right now are at this stage in our journey. We, we've been on this prayer and fasting experience for about two and a half weeks now and we've been asking God to do some miracles and right about now is probably the time in your journey where God's saying to you, I'm gonna do my part but I want you to start to figure out how to do your part so that we can walk in partnership together. I truly believe this. I believe there are some of us in this room and we're one decision away from seeing God do a miracle. We're, we're one conversation away from seeing God do a miracle. There might be some of us in this room and you're one class or we're one internship away from seeing God do a miracle. We've been praying and praying and praying for God to fulfill a dream, for God to do a miracle and God's saying, okay, I'm gonna do my part. I want you to do your part. And what I thought I'd do for our last 10 minutes together or so, is simply drill down on this point a little bit and get as specific as I can about what it looks like to walk in partnership with God, where God does his part, and then he invites us to do our part. So I want to share with you my own prayer and fasting journey, because I've been praying for one miracle for my family specifically, and how God's been doing his part, and how God showed me my part. Then I want to give some other examples, and while I'm doing that, one of those examples might strike you as your next step, so I'd want you to write that down, but, but maybe not. Maybe you've got something other thing that you're praying about, but maybe God's going to bring something up. Just write down what your next step might be. So, so here's what I've been praying about. I've been praying that uh, my, my miracle I'm asking God for is for my, my little man, Landon. And I love this kid. He is like 
awesome. He's just so awesome. There's no other way to describe it. He's awesome. But something's been happening recently in the last six or eight months where, where he's just gotten really angry towards Maria and I. And we're at this parenting stage, or we were at this parenting stage, where we feel like we had tried everything we knew how to try. And if you're a parent, you've probably been here before at some point. You try everything you know how to try, and you feel like nothing's working, and you feel like a, a failure. Is anybody? Okay, no. You guys are all perfect, apparently, with your parenting. You know the feeling. It's like, I literally don't know what else to do with this kid. But nothing seems to be working. And so when it came time for this prayer and fast, the thing that God immediately brought to my mind was, I want to pray for God to transform Landon's heart. I didn't know what else to say, just to transform his heart so he wouldn't be so angry at us anymore, so angry at his sister. And here's the great thing. God has been doing his part. God's part is to do the internal work to transform my four-year-old little man's heart. But then I realized through this time of prayer that I had a part to play. And so here's what my part looked like. Maria and I went to our life group and we said, hey, you guys, a lot of you have kids at various stages or you just have great insight. This is what we're up against with Landon and we don't know what else to do. Can you speak into our lives and give us some insight? And our life group gave us some insight about what our next steps might be. And one of the things that came up was that, that in my parenting, I was being inconsistent with him. So sometimes he would do something and I would, I would discipline him. And then other times he would do the same thing and I wouldn't discipline him. And he's four. He doesn't understand mixed messages. And so he was thinking, why is dad getting mad at me now but letting it slide now? And it was building this anger up inside of him. So I realized God's part was to change his heart. But my part was to be super intentional about being um, super consistent with my son. And here's the thing. What are we like Three weeks into this fast, God has done a miracle. Landon's, Landon's happy like all the time now. Not fake happy, but really happy. He's got that sparkle in his eye that he used to only get when he was doing something bad. You know, but now he gets it like all the time. And he's engaging and he's talking and he can get angry. He can get frustrated with, with Maddie, his sister, or get frustrated with us without like losing his mind. God's doing a miracle, but it took God's part and my part together. That's what partnership has looked like for me over this time of prayer and fasting. But I want to give some ideas about what partnership could look like for you, because I know a lot of us were praying for our marriage right now. And here's God's part. God's part is to transform your heart towards your spouse, and God's part is to transform their heart towards you. But, but can, I, can I press in a little bit and tell you what your part might be? Your part might be you need to stop asking, what has he done for me lately? What has she done for me lately? Maybe your part is you need to stop keeping score of who's ahead and who's behind and who's hurt each other more and who's done more for the other person. And maybe your part, your part is to sacrificially love and serve your spouse. Husbands, maybe your part is to start loving and serving your wife. Wives, maybe your part is just to start loving and serving your husbands and not ask, well, what has she done for me lately? What has he done for me lately? God's part, transform the heart. But maybe your part is to stop keeping score. I don't know. But maybe that's the partnership God wants to do, to do a miracle in your marriage. Some of us are praying for financial freedom right now. And here's God's part. God's part is to change the way you and I view money. Because for so many of us, money becomes a place of uh, security for us, an identity for us. Money becomes, if I've got enough of it, I feel good about myself. If I don't have enough of it, I feel bad about myself. And so we, we buy, 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 and we go into debt so we can feel better about ourselves. And God wants to transform the way we understand money so that we understand God is my ultimate hope. God is my security. God will provide for me. God will take care of me because money ultimately won't do what it says it will. That's God's part, to transform our our hearts, or our understanding around money. 
I'm really excited. Coming up post-Easter, we're going to do a six-week series that I'm just kind of, I'm taglining. It's a generosity jumpstart where I'm asking God to change our community's heart around money and the way we view it so that we can find the freedom that we want to. That's God's part. But maybe your part is to get on a budget, okay? Stop frequenting TJ Maxx every day after work, okay? Maybe your part is to take Financial Peace University next time it comes up and learn some wise practices around money. God can do his part, but he always calls us to do our part. He always calls us to do our part. Some of us are praying for a friend or a loved one to, to know God's love the way that we have come to experience God's love. And here's God's part. God wants to work upstream in their life so that they would have a spiritual curiosity. And maybe some of us are here today because we've got a spiritual curiosity. I want to tell you, that's because God's doing his part to, to, to say, you know what? There's more out there than what you can experience with your five senses. But here's your part. Your part might be to walk across the street and invite your friend to church with you so they can actually come and experience God. It's one thing to pray, pray, pray. It's another thing to hand them a postcard on Easter and say, hey, do you want to come to church with me? It's going to be awesome. It is, by the way. I don't want to give too much away, but, but Ice Ice Baby will have some role in the sermon. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to sing it right now, although I really want to. Obviously, with the moves. Obviously, with the moves. Thank you. What's God's part and what's your part? Uh, can I push in to just two more? Because I, I don't want us to miss this. I just want to drill in a little bit more because, hey, we're a community here and we like to dig in and we like to actually be honest and real about things because it's no good to have an interesting, funny, fun sermon that doesn't actually change our lives. So let's just, let's press in a little more. How about this? Some of us are praying that God would restore a relationship. Maybe it's with a friend. Maybe it's with one of your kids or, or your parents or an extended family member. And I want to tell you, God's part, God's part is to heal their heart and heal your heart. That's God's part. But maybe your part is to go to that person and say these words. Will you please forgive me? Or, I forgive you. God's part is to change the heart, but maybe our part is to walk across the street and offer or extend forgiveness. Listen, we're walking towards Easter, and the big holidays— for a lot of us, they just bring up so much emotion because we think we should be with our family. And especially if there's a tear in that extended family, boy, God would want to do a miracle before this Easter. He wants to do his part, but he's asking us to do our part. Maybe for some of us, we've been praying about a job. Maybe you're transitionally in between jobs right now, or maybe you're, you're in a steady job, but you just don't like it. It's paying the bills, but you have no vision for it. And God's part would be to, to give you a vision for what a new job could be and to open some doors for you. But maybe our part, our part is to take some classes in our spare time, take some night classes or try that internship so that we can partner with God as he does his part and we can do our part. Maybe our part would be to get on a budget because we know that taking that new job that would step us towards our dream job is going to mean that we have to take less money and so we need to get on a tighter budget. See how, see how partnership works? God does his part and he always calls us to do our part. And I want, I want to share with you as we wrap our time up together, I said I would only do two more, but can I do one more? Will you indulge me? I want to share with you one final miracle. And this is my favorite one of all, because this is one that God answers 100% of the time. And here's what it is. The miracle of becoming a child of God. God's part 
is what he did, what we celebrated at communion, that God literally moved heaven and earth, that Jesus Christ came to this world fully God and fully man, and that he gave his life on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin because we're told our sin had separated us from God. And we are designed to be children of God in relationship with God, but sin had separated us. So God left heaven and came to earth and he gave his life on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin. That was God's part so that we could be forgiven. And here's our part. Our part is to accept God's forgiveness. Our part is to surrender our lives to God. Our part is to say, God, I'm done living by myself and for myself. I'm going to start living in partnership with you. And I want to tell you, God's already done his part And if you're here today and you've never done your part, I want to invite you to do your part today because this is a miracle that God does 100% of the time. He always answers when you say, God, I want to have a relationship with you. And if you're here today, and maybe you've never made that decision, or maybe you were raised going to church, but for whatever reason, you kind of, you drifted away. And listen, we all have for all kinds of different reasons. And today you're back and you're hearing about God who isn't some distant deity out there, but it's more like a personal heavenly father who wants to live with you right here. Then I want to invite you to do your part today, to do your part today and start a relationship with God. And here's how you can do it. I'm going to pray in just a second. And I'm going to pray for all of us to start out. And then I'm going to pray for you specifically if you're ready to give your life to God and start that relationship with him. And if you're ready to do that, you can just repeat the simple prayer after me. Just speak it out, or you can say it in your head. Just repeat this prayer after me. So let's close our eyes together. I want to pray for our entire community. Lord, here's what I would ask. Would you show us what partnership looks like as we continue this prayer adventure? I believe that you want to do great things in our lives that you want to do miracles, and that you want to partner with us on that journey. So for each of my friends in this room who are praying big prayers right now, would you show them, would you show them what your part is in bringing about a miracle or opening the door for a dream? And would you show each of us what our part is? And then, God, would you give us the courage to actually take a step of faith in doing our part to partner with you as you do miracles in and through us? And as we continue to pray, if you're here and, and that, that thing that I just shared with you about partnership with God is new information to you and you're ready to say yes to God, you're ready to start that partnership with him, you can pray this simple prayer. Just repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me and I believe that you gave your life to pay the penalty for my sin. And today I say yes. Yes, I want this life that you're offering And yes, I want you. So would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you fill me with your spirit? And would you show me what it looks like to walk with you in partnership from this day forward and every day, even as I walk into eternity? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.